the most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. Social Peta is the world's leading advertisement, creative spy, and analysis platform dedicated to offering top ad creatives and marketing strategies for both advertisers and publishers. Serving as an essential ad and marketing intelligence platform, Social Peta focuses on ad intelligence, cost intelligence, super important, and ad creatives. They have over 200 enterprise clients, including the big guys, Google, Supercell, FunPlus, and so many more. Go check them out. It is socialpeta.com. That, once again, is socialpeta, like a pet, peta. Com. Check ASO is an analytical ASO platform that provides you with up-to-date data on keywords, competitors, ratings, and reviews. It also grades your ASO level and gives you custom tips on how to improve it. This way, you can increase your app page visibility, organic traffic, and installs with every update. Try it now for free for seven days at checkaso.io. That once again is checkaso.io. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of AppMasters.com, the place you go when you want action-packed content related to helping you grow your app downloads and, more importantly, your revenues. And part of that is going to be your attention. Today, I've got phenomenal guests for you. We're going to talk about all the experiments so that you actually don't have to run all these experiments that he's running. We're going to learn about all the experiments that he's been running and what's really worked on his end. But without further ado, let me introduce the guest. His name is Yaniv Gilad. He is the CEO and co-founder of Listerine. Go check it out. It is Listerine, like list and story combined into one. It's going to give you the best content curated by the experts available on Google Play and, of course, iOS. Yaniv, welcome to the show. Thank you, Steve, and thank you for having me. I'm a listener, and we actually learn a lot and okay. get ideas for experiments from your show. <laughs> um, so, yeah, as, uh, as you've mentioned, Listerine is... Uh, an opinionated and mission-driven content app. Uh, we help users get happier and smarter uh, through the content they consume. And as you said, we do it by two things. One, refine the content in the web to a, a finite, finite list of recommendations um, curated by experts and mentioned in newsletters and by curators. And two, help you actually consume at least some of those pieces of content by giving you tools to create better habits for content consumption. So that's kind of like um, what we do. Why do you say finite? I mean, is it the world all infinite, like an endless loop, like Instagram, you just keep scrolling, scrolling, scrolling? Yes, um, we see that the more content you have available, the less you actually consume. So we took an approach that actually tried to do the opposite by saying we have less content, not all the content in the world, just the content that matters, the content that people who are experts in various fields pointed to. We don't have infinite feed. We don't have all the topics in the world. All we care about is you reading something and feel very, very good after reading it feeling that you learned something. 
Well, Yudin, I want to talk about the strategy that helped you go from less than 10% week one retention to more than 40%. I think retention, especially for an app like yours, it's going to be huge, right? Like in any app, like retention is so huge. What have you been doing? Yeah, so retention is definitely important for us, especially as, you know, as an app that by the title or just the, what it does, it just another content app within a broader um, ecosystem of content. So our main strategy, and it took us a little bit to get to, but the one that works very well for us is experimentations. So we realize that the only way for us to truly achieve our mission, our goals is one, put those, put that mission in front of us. So we created a manifesto and we published that manifesto. And two, by being data-driven, not opinion-driven, we're a highly opinionated team. And we figure that the best way to kind of um, help us grow and improve is by experiment, experimentation, by driving traffic, put options or different experiences to users and see what works. And um, yeah, to your point, we saw within the last couple of months, we saw a huge increase in uh, retention in, sec in first week and second day retention. Um, so experimentation, that's the, that's the strategy. And, um, you know, the, the way we run experimentation is figuring out one before we even started, um, is to figure out what is an experiment. How do we measure how many users we will need in order to learn something? Mm -hmm. So the first tactic we kind of uh, took was to run AA tests. So basically using the same experience, just randomizing group of users and see at what number of users and what length of experiment we get to the same kind of results. So this helps you plan later on how long an experiment you can run, how many users you need to drive through every experiment. Second. What, I mean, what did you guys find from the user perspective? Because I know when we talked about this during our mastermind meetings where it's like, all right, you are running this experiment, but how many people do you need? How do you figure that out? So we learned that depending on where you are in the funnel or where you are in the app, um, that number might shift but for app users, for, for example, we, uh, we ran an experiment of the level of freshness of content that you'll see. So whether it, do you, as an app user, will you see stories that were trending by newsletters in the last week, day, month? So we ran an experiment showing each group of users different level of freshness. And we started to see results only when we had around um, 600 users in the experiment. Before that, the data was just too noisy. And, you know, if you're, the, the more users obviously you have, the faster you learn, the more conclusive the results will be, the better the effect. But the minimum of users we see that we need to see an experiment is around uh, 600. The other thing I want to get back into, because I definitely want to learn more about some of the experiments that you ran, like getting into the details, but you said you created a manifesto. So one, was there a template you followed? Because I want to create a manifesto too. And you said, two, either you published it somewhere. Where did you publish it? And what was in the manifesto? There's a lot of questions there. So, yes. Um, one, 
we didn't follow a template. Obviously when, you know, we wrote it, we looked at examples, one example that I liked a lot because they are known for their opinionated approach is, uh, you know, uh, Basecamp and with their new Hey product. So that was an inspiration for kind of like the susceptiveness of the manifesto. Um, the manifesto is basically state clearly what we believe in and what we do not believe in. We created it first for ourselves because we wanted something to align us so we can better prioritize, better decide what fits into the product and what not. And then we felt it will actually be a very good um, marketing tool to allow us to establish trust with our users. And um, it actually also drove, drove actions on our, our behalf, but the, right now you can go to listory.com and at the header, you'll see our manifesto and you can open it and, and kind of read what we believe, which is, think of the, if I said what we want to do is to help you find the best content and actually consume it. This is kind of like, what are the philosophies that we're employing to do that? So for example, you, you've asked about the infinite feed. We say no infinite feed. Got it. Um, more human curation, less technology, those type of beliefs. And they're mainly set publicly to help us kind of burn the bridges. That's what we believe in. That's what we're striving to. I like it. And you need, I want to get back into the experimentations. You see a lot of experimentations. Are there ones that like you want to pinpoint to be like, well, this really, we saw like, we made this specific change and we saw retention just was 40% day one, day seven retentions. Phenomenal. Um, so it's hard to pinpoint one experiment that moved the needle so much. It's, I always give also for the team, the example of, you know, you want to lead a fire. It's not one match that do it all. You need to collect a lot of twigs and a lot of matches and put some oil here and there. And eventually you see a huge result, but it's a lot of experiments. So the thing that you do realize is that the, the, the higher on the funnel you do an experiment that works, the bigger the down the road results that you'll see. Meaning, let's say you have the app and you have an onboarding. And at the end of the onboarding, a user can take an action. Then you can run an experiment on that action. But to get users, let's say the 600 users that you want to get users to that experiment, you need to actually get those users to buy to onto your product and download it and actually open it. Imagine that you do that A-B testing on, let's say the Android store. So every user who see your messaging and if that messaging um, relate to what you want to test in the onboarding, you can actually see a lot of users already in the store. They are cheaper, they, mm -hmm. you, you will find more of them and you can get faster to results. So the higher in the funnel, you do the experiment, the faster, the more impactful, the cheaper the experiment, the results that you'll get. Like the, the experiments that we see that do work is when we use a very concrete value. You know, I gave kind of like our mission and when we put our mission in a landing page, 
and explain what we aim for. You know, we want to make you happier and smarter and you have a call to action to download, this might work. But if we say, read later, not never, set your reading goals, something that is actionable, we see much higher response. So that an experiment, we, we, we always run experiments around messaging and the, what we learn in general is that the more concrete you are in what you're going to get, the better the expectation will be, the better the retention will be as well. Wait, let me try to understand what you said with the read later. You said, instead of being like, hey, download now, here's what our mission is, you said something read, something about read later. What did you do specifically with that? Was it on the landing page? So, so, you know, our mission is to help you get smarter. And there are means we take to do that. There are features we, we have. One of the feature is read later. Our take on read later is, you know, when you see an article today and you say, oh, that's an interesting article. I need to read it. I'll save it to my pocket. I'll save it to Instapaper. You do it. And guess what? You never actually go there. So, you know, as our belief is that one story can be much more inspiring than seeing a lot of titles and scrolling through them. So we said, what if read later will be a real read later. Like you will read it only later. So um, instead of, we, we think of it as the real read later. So, you know, our messaging will be, don't procrastinate, don't read, save for never. The real read later. So we'll say, Listery helps you get to the stories you never thought you'll actually read. Or make use of your pocket stories that you never get back to. So the value, it, it, it's very clear what you're solving for. It's less aspirational, it's more utilitarian. So we see that in general, that approach works better, at least for you know our type of app, where just speaking about content, the quality of content discovery is something that we are all already blind to. Everyone tried to sell better content, content that matters. But if you show the actual means by which you will help a user consume, we see that users are more responsive to that. Yeah, I like that. And I actually like the, the app, the, when I put read later, it says add to my calendar. Right, like when yes, are you gonna read it exactly. later? Like, you're never gonna read it. Exactly. If you just put read later. Like, tell me when you're gonna read it. And so, I really like so, that. So yes. Let me ask you and this: We're adding when. If I can, if when I download the app and I have it, you never ask me for my interest. You just assume certain things. I'm, this is what my assumption is. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. How how do you guys make that assumption? Is it based on what is it based on? So it's a great question. <laughs> So, well, that one, you know, uh, spot on, uh, probably a luck, but our funnel, <laughs> the, fu the funnels that we, uh, we have few funnels that we're experimenting with. So in general, every experiment, we treat it as a full stack experiment. It means that it's not only, you know, we'll add that feature in this, the app, we'll also create 
a landing page or a campaign dedicated to that experiment, to the messaging, to the value that we create. And if needed, we'll direct paid acquisition to that experiment. So we'll get the, you know, how many hundred users we want to get to conclusive results. Um, one of the main funnels we have is taking the user through a questionnaire. In that questionnaire, we are in a entertaining way, ask you indirect questions from which we learn about your content habits. So what specific topics you're interested in, what forms of content you're more inclined to read, what time of day and how much time you kind of budget to reading. And we'll take that and pass it either to the app or to our web app. And that will, that will help us kind of warm you up before you actually um, opening the app. So our vision for that is to actually onboard the user before using the app because we all, I'd say it uh, uh, nicely, don't like onboardings. We don't like to be asked what topic you like because I can never an answer it. Yeah. So we want to give you an experience that is relevant to you at the first open of the app. So we're offloading a lot of that. Um, and most of our funnel is actually tuned to collect those interests. I like how the app goes story by story. Like I got to, you know, swipe up to get to the next story. Was that part of the original product or was this part of your experiment? So that's a something we, um, it's, this goes through our, or from our manifesto. So we said, it's not an infinite feed. Infinite feed, you kind of scroll and every story is just another piece in the puzzle. How do we ensure that when you open Listory, you understand that for us, every story matters. So you can see that story is kind of like a tile and it have the full screen. It kind of like, um, I think of a Listory as a, the Michelin guide for content. So every story is like the main entry. It's served to you beautifully and you can take action on that story. So we, we experimented with a lot of formats and some of them were more feed-like, some of them kind of like a TikTok where the entire screen is taken over. And we landed on that um, experience, which is humble, simple, and feel a little premium-y. Yeah, I like it, I like it a lot. Okay, the other thing I wanna move on to as well is like you tried a push an email notification. Now, Yaniv, I like pushing email notifications. I always say like, you know, it's great for retention, but it didn't work for you. Can you tell me what happened there? Uh, so it didn't, to be honest, and, and again, that's uh, another manifesto uh, thing. We, when we started to think about retention, we kind of, we think about what are the bottlenecks for users to kind of download, use the app. So first it was retention. We need users to start learning. Right. When we started to get users, we saw that, yeah, we get, we are very good at getting users, not very good at saving those users or getting them to repeat uh, use. And when we started to focus on that, the first session, yes, the, the, the first and most intuitive approach was, okay, let's, help users find influencers they can follow in Listory 
So influencers are curators and newsletters that um, curate stories that we then highlight because those stories are important or trending among the experts. And we tried on your first session to introduce you to people you might be interested in. And if you, you know, followed them, then we're like, okay, let's push notification to you when those users upload new stories or send their next newsletter. And our friends and families were like, oh, I saw this, this new feature. And I saw that you started sending emails. It's nice, but you know, maybe you can aggregate them. And someone in the team was like, guys, this, this is, we want to be the clean experience. We want to be the refinement experience. We just sending emails, it doesn't make sense. It's not on brand. Mm -hmm. So we made the decision that it is hard decision. Yes. Like you need to be aggressive and we want to be aggressive. We know that if you build it, they will not come. You need to like, it's, it's, it's a process, but it, pushed us to think deeper on how do we bring users back through value? And that's how we thought about, let's utilize the calendar. Let's say Steve saves a story for later. Let's stay, let's have the calendar push the notification to Steve with the story mm -hmm. URL. So you set the hook to yourself. Right. So more likely to engage. I, it's I not put it in there myself too. Yes. So one of the, you know, um, in the hook model, trying to put a hook in the first session is very important for retention. Now, what the type of hook, what we aspire for is that it will come from you, from your necessity, from a value that you create rather than, oh, let's just do the easy thing of push notification to you. Yeah. Um, and in the environment we're um, in right now, I see a trend of apps of hardwares trying to eliminate a lot of the functionality to help you better focus, to help you trust the experience. Um, and we wanted to take the approach of less is better. Mm -hmm. And the approach that you will, we will help you set the hooks yourself. And it actually kind of introduced us to the calendar as a content discovery canvas, which I think is quite an innovative at the, uh, right now. Like, yeah, just, I mean, where I, so I put a couple of things in my read later, where did it go to? Is it become an event or is it just a to-do thing? On the calendar. Yeah, it becomes an event in your calendar. And when you, when the time comes, either you see it on the calendar or it will, you know, pop up as a notification with all the information needed. So you just click the link and it opens the story. And the event is just the right reading or watching time. So let's say, you know, um, your reading habit is reading at night uh -huh. and you have a meeting at 8 p.m will be res um, respectful of that meeting and put the read later after or at a free slot. Um, we're actually about to launch a more, um, a, a way for users to define what are the specific times they want to kind of 
get into the context of reading. So the save for later, you'll not do anything but tap and it will go to the allotted reading slot. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing about that is, you know, even if you're not reading or at the set time, you're not really free to read, it's still there. You can go back to it, but tomorrow your calendar will be clean again. So it will not clutter, kind of like, you know, cluttering your inbox. Yeah. I like it, Yanif. Lots of great stuff here. I love it. And you got me sold on this manifesto. Like I am linking it up into the show notes. So make sure you guys look at the manifesto because I think having that manifesto, it's not even long, right? It's one, two, three, four, five, six main points that you guys have. But I love how you just keep continually pointing to this. Should I build this? Well, is it, does, is it line with our manifesto? Yes or no? And if it's not, it's like, let's move on from it too. I love it. Yes. Thank you. Okay, the other thing I want to move on to is what if the results are not conclusive? And you'd be like, oh, uh, this was a waste of time. What do we do, Yanif? What do you do? What do you do? Um, <laughs> so we ran it. We <laughs> recently, we ran a test and we set two goals for the test. We set second day retention, number of signups. And we actually, that that test ran in web. So it was, you can sign up and then we see if you go back to the experience or if you download the app. And what we saw was we had two funnels. One drove um, almost double the number of signups, but half the level of second day retention. Okay. And we're like, ah, do we take the signups or the retention? Because signups, you can, you know, to your point, we can, those are leads, we have emails, we can find, like we can engage them in other ways or we take the retention. So what I realized was being in that position, we first need to learn, like to, to reflect and realize that we made a bad experiment because an experiment should be conclusive. You need to say, this is the result. It is very clear. If we hit the result, then we move on with that. Um, obviously, it's not true all the time, but in this case, we didn't kind of have clear expectations on what truly is more important. But those inconclusive results helped us figure better one, what is the more important result? In that case, I'll, I'll save the, it's the sign up. And it helped us focus even further on how and where we built. So the rationale was, okay, we have, this is a web experiment. We got so many more signups, but less retention. So what we learn is that the funnel works but maybe web is not the right place for us to engage users. Maybe it's more important for us to get up downloads and then measure retention. And maybe even the sign up, let's take that version, but we instead of sign up, let's switch it to download. Mm -hmm. So inconclusive, you usually what happens is you get inconclusive results and you like either keep running the experiment or kind of like, oh, I don't know, let's not change anything. 
uh, inconclusive re results should help you one be make better uh, better experiments going forward, be more focused on what true KPI you want to measure, and make strategic changes. So we kind of discontinued our uh, mobile web version and favored the app because we realized that even if the web version is great, users just don't get back to. No one go back to a website other than, you know, if it's a news website. So we realized, and those results helped us realize that, that if we think retention, we need to have an app or we need to prioritize the app. Well, talking about what you said early on with like top of the funnel making the biggest difference, because initially I thought you were going to say the second day retention because it's all about retention, right? That was going to be the factor that we try to push for. But then when you think about, and I went back to what you said earlier, I was like, oh, the top of the funnel. Like we, the top of the funnel is working. Like we're getting users in. Let's fix the second part. So it's exactly. like, why go after something that wasn't, it's like, okay, well, the second part, like, you know, it's like, it's like saying, well, top, let's focus top of That's already working. So we can fix the, the things that come after that. Yes. Yeah. And so every experiment, every feature that you build, um, sometimes it's, it's easy to focus on, you know, okay, here's the app. We want to change retention. Let's just do a test. What you don't realize is that user coming from, for the app for a reason. As I've mentioned before, the more specific that reason, the more likely their expectation will be set on that reason. So if you test a feature and that feature is not aligned with where you brought the users from, then it doesn't matter what the experiment is. Users will just have different expectations and they might leave because you kind of um, did something that different than what they thought. So one, kind of insights that we have is that an experiment is full stack experiment. If you want to test something substantial, you need to make sure that when you bring users, they know what they're coming into. Otherwise you're just targeting the wrong audience. And the second is what are the bottlenecks on the user journey? Are the bottlenecks next are conversion? Are they second day retention? Are they one week retention? Are they frequency and every change you do kind of reset the whole button, the whole funnel. So if you'll change something in the app, it might mean you need to change the messaging and it's, it's kind of everything connected. And here it was, yes, the second day retention is the goal, but we learned that actually we measure it in the wrong place. So actually measuring second day retention, we need to do it in the app. Otherwise we kind of not solving the, the, because it's the second day, third day retention. We know that if you don't have the app installed, there is nothing to bring you back and you just another website on the web. Yeah. Um, From an email perspective, have you guys seen anything work well for you guys and bringing people back into the app? Not, not very, significantly mm. we and you know it's we we measure emails on various places such as you know when you when you create an account 
with email will send you an email verification. So you will see what percentage of users actually verify. We've, we send a welcome email and a short nurturing campaign and we'll see how many users take action. And honestly, we don't see much from emails and that also helped us kind of foster the view of, you know what, emails are great when they're really necessary, yeah. but if a user has the app on your phone, you have push notification. If you're choosing to use push notification, you should make sure the value that you bring with that push is incredible. So I, I, I'm, I don't think the email, you know, in terms of numbers, you'd see around 20 to 50% open rate and sub 10% action rate on emails. One thing that, I mean, I'll just point it out since we're talking about email, I did this, I think it was a video, but anyways, did this thing about email and being a, using it as a recap tool. One app that I think does email really well is called Fat, like Zero. It's a fast intermittent fasting app that I, I use and it sends me you know, last week performance. And I was like, oh, interesting. And it said, tweet this. And I was like, huh. So I was like clicking it and then I switched search on Twitter and I was like looking at for that hashtag, you know, fasting with zero. And I was like, wow, a lot of people are sharing it. So I think email as a way to even get people to promote your app as a recap, like, Hey Steve, you read this many stories through Listery, right? You got this much smarter as a weekly recap might be more interesting play than just being like, here are the top stories that you might've missed. Cause it's like, now you're just filling my inbox and not really, cause I have the New York times and all these emails that I never read. Right. Like, and so rather than filling the inbox, I always thought like, is there a way to make your user look good and then get that user to share it on social media would be interesting. Definitely. So that actually is something we're planning to, again, behind the, the thinking or the philosophy behind is what is the value that we give you? It's not only to remind you that Listry exists, but to your point, you get true value from that email. It kind of like give you a way to reflect on yourself. So how do we do it in, in our kind of use case? Our use case is driving you to be smarter and happier by creating better habits. So an email can help us reflect the changes in the habit, the accomplishments you achieved. Oh, you know what? You read five stories this week. Not, didn't only scroll or save for later. You actually read that. You listen to Steve podcast, you're smarter now. So, and from there, yes, maybe you'll want to show off or invite other people because now you, you have a better sense of yourself. So in that way, I think email can be a value add and not just a retargeting mechanism, which I think one will be better on brand for us and or on mission for us and better for user. Um, we, you know, in Listery, we monitor and curate newsletters. And one of the kind of value propositions we have is your email is so clogged. You, it, it just became that other front that everyone is kind of fighting on. So content deserve better place and we're trying to create that place. So again, going back to now we need to actually stand behind what we're saying and not just use newsletter for our benefit. 
but think of the user first. So, you need, I want to end with this like your manifesto. And I'm kind of looking at the 37 Signals manifesto too. You, it essentially says curation, not aggregation, humans, not algorithms, refinement, not personalization, intersection, not union, delight, not attention. Was it purposeful to have? A, I take a stand for one thing, not a stand for one thing. Like, was the not important for you to have in there? Uh, the not, it's more of the what yes than what not. Okay. So, and it's the when when it's not no as mean of it's a taboo. Well, we we are using technology. We do. Um, use sophistication to see what articles are more important or more popular by experts. But when we say curators, it's we are following actual humans. It is a person who chose that story and put it in front of their audience. So it's the person who chose it, not an algorithm. Um, So it's more the, the difference. It's, you know, there is a huge difference between infinites or we want to be on the few stories and because we think it's more, um, it's, it's better for the user. So I wouldn't think, I don't think of the no sides as taboos, but rather as the yes side as we are standing behind it. Um, so, you know, Curation is different than aggregation. Why? Because it's not just connecting to sources and funneling all the, the content that comes through those sources. It act, there is some intelligence on top of that one, pick the signal from the noise and add value to that signal. Yeah. So for example, on Listery, when you tap into a curator and if that curator has a newsletter, will not just show you the stories that are recommended in the newsletter. We'll actually bring the newsletter itself with the narrative of the curator because we think the curator adds value. How do you become a curator? Just curious. You create an account and you, this is part of the app that I didn't touch on, but the organization of the content you consume is another aspect of that. So you can save stories, you can collect stories and save them into lists. And every list is its own entity. So, you know, you can have a list for your podcast for with all the research material that you can then give your audiences behind the scene. Um, so, I love your sign-up process too. The what? The sign-up? Yeah, you just ask for my email and it's like done. Like what the hell? There's nothing else? Like it's done, it's crazy, it's cool. Yeah, we we tapped into a flow that everyone uses but no one kind of used this before for quick sign-up, which is the forgot email or forgot password. Right. So what we do is once we capture your email and verifying it, we you can set a password after you signed up. And if you don't set a password, when you do need to sign up, we'll send you a smart link to your email. Um, I think right. Slack are doing it. And uh, yeah. yeah, super simple. 
All right, Yanit, this was awesome. This is anything else you want to cover that we before we hit the no, I think uh, I had a lot of fun. Yeah, me too. This is phenomenal. All right, well, Yanit, this has been absolutely amazing, but let's go to the big, big finish. Give us one app besides Listery, of course, that we should definitely check out. Uh, day one for by far my favorite app, it's uh, a journaling app, and for the last three years, it helped me develop a routine of putting journal entry every day for the last three years. And it's doing it in a way that encouraged me to do it. Every day I see that I put a calendar invite and now for three years I have a calendar full of check checks on every day and now I can just not put entry. Um, so it's a great app for creating a habit for journaling, which is kind of like what we're trying to do with reading, help mm -hmm. you create a better habits for reading and for content consumption. And day one is a huge inspiration. What's a lesson it could be personal or business that took you the longest to learn? Uh, so I'm a product person. And as a product person, I thought that you need to build the best product before you bring users to it. You need to be proud of what you build before you bring users to it. And one, I learned that how do you know that you build a great product without users? Like, what are you doing in the process? How do you? And I, I had a logic gap that mentally took me a while to figure out. And you realize that the more features you add without creating traction is the more assumptions you have around the product and the more likely you are to rebuild a lot of things once users are getting into your app. And it actually leads me to the second failing or the thing that took me a while to learn and it's traction. How do you get users to use the app? So you need to have users to come and test and help you learn well, again, as a product person, you always think that, and I know it goes against your, your show, but acquiring traffic is kind of, it's kind of like cheating the system. And, oh my God, this is so wrong. You get traffic, you get paid traffic to learn faster. Mm. You, and, and you have an experiment you will not learn until you end the experiment. You'll not learn until you have a few hundred users trying the feature. Where will you bring those users? You can use paid acquisition and it's not, you know, it's not that expensive. Um, it definitely have the cost benefit to get exactly the audience you want to the feature you want with the messaging you want to the, with the amount of users that you want to learn. So that was a huge uh, learning for me that traction is not only a growth mechanism, but it's actually a learning vehicle. Um, and I'd recommend, if you don't mind, a book uh, by the founder of DuckDuckGo about traction. Yeah. Uh, that opened my mind a lot uh, for that. So yeah, those are the two main um, learnings. Get okay. users as early as possible if you need to acquire users, do that. You'll save time, you'll save money on the long run. Love it. Unique, this was absolutely awesome. The app is called Listery, List Story, combined to one. Look for it on Google Play or iOS as well, or check out the website, listery.com. 
any of you, if the audience wants to follow up with you and say personally thank you for coming on, do you want to send them anywhere else? Um, no, I think uh, our uh, Twitter, my Twitter, email, yanivetlistree.com. Uh, That's it. Great. Well, I will link all that into the show notes as well. So you just click on your favorite podcast app and you can check out all the different show notes. I'm not going to make you go to the website. Just do it on your favorite podcast app. Yaniv, thank you so much for coming on and doing this. Thank you so much for having me. It was a thank pleasure. Sorry. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you on the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.